Hi everyone, this is Dan and welcome to the Rapid Boards Review Podcast. In this podcast, it is our goal to review high yield boards concepts with you in a format that is easy to listen to on the go. We are not a textbook and we are not a question bank, but we are an audio boards review resource that will go over high yield associations with you in a question and answer format. This is episode 30 of the podcast and episode 2 of our Step 1 Review Immunology Series. In this episode, we continue our discussion on high yield autoantibodies that you need to know for the Step 1 examination. This is part two, so make sure to check out part one before listening to this episode. In this autoantibody series as a whole, we try to go over all the high yield antibodies that you need to know for step one, and then all the other important facts that are associated with the pathologies that you need to know as well. So thank you so much for listening to this episode and all the other previous episodes, and I really hope that you find this content useful. Okay, first question, what two autoantibodies are specific for lupus? So those two would be anti-double-stranded DNA and anti-Smith. Now, double-stranded DNA is sometimes just shortened to DSDNA, and anti-Smith is sometimes shortened to uh, SM. And remember, for lupus, the sensitive autoantibody would be ANA, but that is sensitive because it's also going to be there for a lot of other rheumatologic conditions. And the specific autoantibodies would be the double-stranded DNA and Smith. All right, next question. Um, What is associated with anti-mitochondrial antibody, or AMA? Which pathology? Good, so that would be primary biliary cholangitis which is sometimes acronym to be PBC. And remember, so anti-mitochondrial antibody, that's primary biliary cholangitis. And it's really important to note that this is commonly tested in comparison to primary sclerosing cholangitis, which is PSC. Now, let's look at PSC, or primary sclerosing cholangitis. Which autoantibody is associated with that? Good, that would be P. Anka. Now, as a follow-up question, what other GI illness is associated with P. Anka? Great, that's ulcerative colitis. So we got to remember is primary biliary cholangitis, that's anti-mitochondrial antibody, and primary sclerosing cholangitis, that's P. Anka. And P. Anka is also associated with ulcerative colitis. Now, again, remember, these things are always tested in comparison to each other. So how do the common demographics of presentation differ between these two pathologies? So primary biliary cholangitis typically presents in women aged 40 to 60, and primary sclerosing cholangitis typically present in an IBD patient, likely ulcerative colitis, and they'd be a little bit younger, ages 20 to 40. And as a way to kind of remember this in comparison um, to the autoantibodies, I see AMA, and when I think of the M, I think of the word maternal. Of course, it actually stands for mitochondrial, but I think of the word maternal. And that lets me know that the common demographic for primary biliary cholangitis is women aged 40 to 60. Um, Okay, so another comparison. How do they differ in the types of bile ducts involved between primary biliary cholangitis and primary sclerosing cholangitis? So primary biliary cholangitis involves the smaller interlobular and septal ducts, and primary sclerosing cholangitis involves the larger intrahepatic and etrahepatic ducts. And the key here... 
Um, if you can remember one thing from the bile ducts involved, it's that in primary sclerosis and cholangitis, the key is that they involve extrahepatic ducts too, whereas primary biliary cholangitis is only intrahepatic ducts, and that is a key differentiating factor here. Now, between the two, which one has an elevated risk for cancer? Good, that would be primary sclerosing cholangitis. And what type of cancer do you have an elevated risk for? And as a bonus point, do you know like what around the percent risk increase it would be? So it would be a 10% risk increase, roughly, in cholangiocarcinoma. So you gotta remember primary sclerosing cholangitis. Remember that in bile duct involvement, it's more extensive. It involves the intra and extrahepatic ducts. And because it is more extensive, that's how you can remember that it has the increased risk for cancer, specifically cholangiocarcinoma. Now, what is the diagnostic test of choice for primary biliary cholangitis? So that would be a liver biopsy. And do you know what you see on liver biopsy? There's like a characteristic buzz phrase. Good, you see something called florid duct lesions. Now, what is the diagnostic test of choice for primary sclerosing cholangitis, or PSC? Good, so that would be a cholangiogram. And there's two types of cholangiograms you can get. You can get an MRCP or ERCP. And when you do get these tests, do you know what the classic uh, like buzz phrase is of what you find on the cholangiogram for PSC? So classically, you see a beads on a string appearance. And I would just look up a picture of this on Google Images or something because it is something that could show up on a question stem. Okay, now between the two, which has a well-defined medication for treatment? Good, that would be primary biliary cholangitis. And what is that medication? So the medication would be ursodeoxycholic acid. Ursodeoxycholic acid. That's the medication for primary biliary cholangitis. Okay, so altogether, um, I think that this is really easy to remember if you can remember that primary biliary cholangitis is kind of like a less extensive illness. And because it's less extensive, um, it has a medication that could treat it, and also it does not have the risk of cancer. So by less extensive, I mean that for the bile ducts involved, it only involves the intrahepatic ducts, whereas sclerosing cholangitis involves intra and extrahepatic. Because it's less extensive, it has a medication. That medication is ursodeoxycholic acid. And because it's less extensive, it does not have a cancer risk, which primary sclerosing cholangitis does. And it's a 10% increased risk in cholangiocarcinoma. All right, next question. Which pathology is associated with anti-U1 RNP antibodies? Anti-U1 RNP. And RNP stands for ribonucleoprotein. So that would be mixed connective tissue disease is associated with anti-U1 RNP antibodies. Now, mixed connective tissue disease, as the name suggests, is usually a combination of room disorders. But there's three in particular uh, rheumatologic disorders that the mixed connective tissue disease is typically classic of. Do you know what those three are? So it's usually a combination of lupus, scleroderma, and polymyositis. 
lupus, scleroderma, and polymyositis. So you can see any and all of a combination of these three pathologies in mixed connective tissue disease. Okay, uh, rheumatoid factor. What is this associated with, rheumatoid factor? So rheumatoid factor, as the name suggests, is sensitive but not specific for rheumatoid arthritis. And again, we mentioned this in the last episode, but it's really important to know the difference between calculating and conceptually between uh, sensitivity and specificity on step one. Now, remember that these are all autoantibodies, but I said rheumatoid factor. What is rheumatoid factor an autoantibody towards? So rheumatoid factor is actually an IgM autoantibody, and it's against the FC region of IgG. So you can imagine in your blood, you have all these different antibodies floating around. The IgM, those classically come around as pentamers. And if you have an IgM autoantibody to the IgG FC region, then all the different IgG that's floating around in your blood will be bound up by this rheumatoid factor. And again, to reiterate, uh, we mentioned this in the last episode, what is the antibody that is actually specific to rheumatoid arthritis? Good, that would be anti-CCP antibody. All right, next question. Um, so there's sometimes on step one, a common topic are these inflammatory myopathies. And there's two main types of inflammatory myopathies. Do you know what those are? So um, that would be dermatomyositis and polymyositis. And I've seen three different autoantibodies that are pretty specific for these pathologies tested on step one review questions. Do you know what those three autoantibodies are? So that would be anti-SRP, anti-JO1, and anti-ME2. And the ME2 is spelled M-I-2. So to run back through that again, anti-SRP, anti-JO1, and anti-ME2. Now, within those three autoantibodies, there's some special considerations for them. So which is more specific for polymyositis between those three? So that would actually be anti-SRP. Now, which one is more specific for dermatomyositis between those three? Good, so that would be anti-ME2. So remember, for the inflammatory myopathies, anti-SRP, more specific for polymyositis, anti-JO1, and anti-ME2, which is more specific for dermatomyositis. Now, on the dermatomyositis topic, there's two classic skin findings that are associated with this pathology, and each of them have a classic buzz phrase that they're used to describe them. Do you know what those two are and where they likely present on the body? So that would be the heliotrope rash, which presents on the eye, and gratin papules, which classically present on the hands. And as always, I would really recommend just Googling this picture, um, looking up an image, and becoming familiar with the image, because these things really do come up on the question stems in step one. And you know, you, like, you see a picture like this, it becomes familiar in your head, and it automatically clues you into what the answer could be. Okay, so uh, with these inflammatory myopathies, what cancer is associated with them? So that cancer type would be adenocarcinoma. And what lung condition is specifically associated with the anti-JO1 autoantibody?
So that would be interstitial lung disease. And, you know, for completion's sake, there's actually also a cardiac condition that is associated with these pathologies as well. And do you know what that cardiac condition is? Great, so that would be myocarditis. Okay, just to summarize, we have the inflammatory myopathies. The two types are dermatomyositis and polymyositis. We have three autoantibodies associated with them, anti-SRP, anti-JO1, and anti-ME2. Anti-SRP is more specific for polymyositis. Anti-ME2 is more specific for dermatomyositis. And then we have three associated conditions with these inflammatory myopathies, adenocarcinoma, interstitial lung disease, and myocarditis. All right, that sums up this episode. We still haven't gone through all the autoantibodies, so there'll probably be one more episode on this topic. Um, thank you so much for listening, and as always, I really hope you found the content in this episode useful.